Our Father, we, we thank you that you have given us your word. Lord, we thank you for... We thank you for the Bible that speaks to us. God, for the ways that it challenges us and, Lord, calls us into relationship with you. And so, Lord, we pray that we would have good ears to hear from you and that you would speak to us by your spirit today. We ask these things in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Last week, we talked about what it means to be poor in spirit, to be people who come to God with with open hands, open and empty hands, and acknowledge that God doesn't need us, but that we need God, that we don't have anything in and of ourselves to offer to God, but God in his mercy has given us gifts and talents and resources to offer him and to use in service to others. Being poor in spirit is the attitude of those who are citizens of the kingdom of God. Being poor in spirit is the attitude of those who are citizens of the kingdom of God. Jesus tells us in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for to them belong the kingdom of heaven. In the primary activity The primary activity that characterizes someone who is poor in spirit, the primary action that will tell you whether you are a person who is poor in spirit, is prayer. Is prayer. Those who are poor in spirit will be committed to prayer. This morning we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 11, and I would encourage you to take your Bibles and turn there to Luke chapter 11. And in this chapter, Jesus gives an extended teaching about prayer. Uh, The whole chapter begins with the disciples coming to Jesus and asking him, uh, Jesus, teach us how to pray as John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. You know, a lot of times in the Gospels, we see the disciples putting their foot in their mouths a lot, um, asking not-so-great questions, saying things that uh, really don't make much sense. But here, the disciples ask the right question. Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now, and as I was thinking about Jesus' response to them this week in Luke chapter 11, it seems to me that throughout the Gospels, the better the question was, the more direct Jesus' answer was to them. And the worst, uh, the, 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 the bad questions, or the questions that people came to to try to trick him, the more kind of obscure his answer was. Often he would respond to those kinds of questions with another question, or he would tell a parable that left people scratching their heads. What did that have to do with the question that I asked? But Jesus, when there's a good question asked of him, he responds very clearly. And here in Luke chapter 11, the disciples asked the right question. Jesus, teach us how to pray. How are we to be in relationship with our Heavenly Father? And Jesus gives some very explicit and clear teaching about what it means to pray. We're going to be looking at the different uh, parts of Luke chapter 11 today, but I want to start at the very end of this section on prayer. Luke chapter 11, verses 11 through 13. Because at the very end here, Jesus tells us what the end purpose or the end goal of prayer is. Luke chapter 11, verses 11 through 13. Jesus says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? 
If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus, it seems to me, out of left field, says that God will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Up to this point, Jesus has said nothing in Luke chapter 11 about the Holy Spirit. The disciples have not asked anything about the Holy Spirit or how to receive the Holy Spirit. But at the end of his teaching on prayer, Jesus says to his disciples that those who come to the Father with a spirit of childlike dependency, if we come to him poor in spirit, then the Father will give us his Holy Spirit. And the idea behind this verse in Luke chapter 11 is not that the Father gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask for the Holy Spirit, although that's true. The idea here is that God gives the Spirit to those who come to him with a spirit of dependency like a child comes to his father. To those who come in prayer to the Father with all kinds of requests, requests for bread, requests for an egg, requests for our needs to be met, requests requests for his help. When we come to our Heavenly Father with a dependent spirit like a child, the result of that will be that the Father will fill us with his personal presence, the presence of his spirit. This is the purpose of prayer. To be filled with the Spirit. The purpose of prayer is not getting what we want. The purpose and end goal of prayer is not having all of our prayers answered in exactly the way that we want them to be answered. The end goal and purpose of prayer is to know God. The end goal of prayer is being a person who has received the Holy Spirit, a person who experiences and enjoys the personal presence of God himself. When we come to our Heavenly Father and we make requests of him, we may not always get exactly what we ask for, but if we persist in prayer, he will give us what we ultimately need. He will give us himself. This is the purpose of and the end goal of prayer. So what is prayer? Well, I want to define prayer, and I think Jesus defines prayer in this way in Luke chapter 11. Prayer is God's children talking with their heavenly Father about their concerns and their hopes for their life and for this world. Let me say that again. Prayer is God's children talking with their heavenly Father about their concerns and hopes for their life and for this world. The scripture that we're looking at today in Luke 11, and it's an extended teaching by Jesus on prayer. In Jesus' teaching, he tells us that prayer is about making requests. Prayer is about asking God to respond to our concerns and to our hopes. There are, of course, many other types of prayer as well, and we see those throughout the Psalms and in other parts of Scripture. There are prayers of confession. We've done that today. There are prayers of thanksgiving and adoration. And, of course, all of those are important aspects of our prayer life. But it's interesting to me that here in Luke chapter 11, when his disciples come to him and say, Jesus, teach us how to pray, 
that he, throughout this chapter, teaches them that prayer is about making requests to our Heavenly Father. The Lord's Prayer is a series of requests that God would act in our world. In chapter 5, in verse 5 that we're going to look at in a minute, Jesus tells us a parable that tells us about what prayer is like, and he describes it as a man going to his friend to ask for bread. In verse 9, Jesus says, And so I tell you, keep on asking. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And then in verse 11, Jesus, as I've already read, says that prayer is like a child asking his father for food. When his disciples come to him and ask him to teach them how to pray, Jesus responds by telling them that prayer is about coming to God and making requests of him. Now, I've often heard people criticize this idea that, you know, whenever we pray, all we're doing is coming to God with all of our laundry lists of requests, and and I've made that criticism too, but this chapter makes me think something a little bit different about that idea. The thought behind that criticism is good. We need to be careful that we don't make God some kind of, you know, Santa Claus in the sky or something like that who just exists only to give us what we want. But here in Luke 11... Jesus gives us permission, teaches us, in fact, that when we pray, we are to come and ask God for the things that concern us, for the things that we see in our world, and we are to ask him to act. And when we make requests of God, when we come to him with this attitude and this uh, a spirit, a spirit of childlike dependency, it acknowledges that we believe that we are dependent on our Father, It acknowledges that we confess that we are needy and that he is rich. It acknowledges that we believe that we are weak and that he is strong. It acknowledges that we believe that we don't have all of the answers, but that we're able to come to one who does have the answers. A couple years ago, I took um, our oldest daughter, Gloria. She probably would have been about four years old at the time. Uh, We took her to the park. And uh, Gloria and really all of our girls, the first thing that they go to, of course, is the swings. That's their favorite thing to do. And so they hopped on the swings, and there was another gentleman there who was with his daughter, and he was pushing his daughter. And uh, he was a, a Middle Eastern man. I had um, not met him before, and his English wasn't very good, but we began talking a little bit. And in the middle of our conversation, he just stopped, and he said, he said, my, my daughter is blind. I hadn't noticed that before, but as I, as I then paid attention, I could see that her eyes weren't focusing on anything. And then I just watched them for the rest of their time at the park. I noticed how this girl was always making requests of her dad and that she was dependent on him. Dad, I want to go to the teeter-totters, and he would take her there. Dad, I want to go to the slide, and he would take her there. It was a picture of dependency, a a picture of our relationship with God, or at least what our relationship with God should be like. Sometimes we think we see better than we really do. And sometimes we think we know better than we really do. And we forget our dependency on our Father. When we come to God with all kinds of requests, we are admitting that we are dependent children on our Heavenly Father. When we come and make requests of God, it acknowledges... Uh, not only that we can come to God with things that we want or things that we need, it doesn't only reflect our dependency, but it also reflects our desire to cooperate with God, 
cooperate with God with what he is doing in the world. As we see the world, we know that it's not as it should be, right? And we come to prayer and we ask God to act. We ask him to heal a friend. We ask him for peace in our lives or in the world. We ask him to bring salvation to our kids. We come to God with requests because when we look at our world, we know that things are not as they should be. His kingdom has not fully come on earth as it is in heaven. And so we pray and we ask God to bring it in very specific ways. And when we come to God and we make these requests of him to act in the world, we are making a request for him to cooperate, to cooperate with us in bringing about his good work in the world. There is great power in a request. Great power in a request. When you make a request of someone, you're asking that person to enter into some kind of relationship with you to help accomplish something that you couldn't accomplish On your own. When we come to another person and ask them to do something for us or to do something with us, we enter into a relationship together with that person to accomplish something that we couldn't accomplish on our own. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Think about the very simple request of stopping and asking for directions. Stubborn husbands, listen up. So pretend you're in New York City. And you don't have your iPhone. This is one of the ways that technology has kept us from being in relationships with people. We don't have to stop and ask for directions anymore. But pretend you're in New York City and you don't have your iPhone. If you're lost in New York City and you walk into a gas station because you're lost and you say, you make a request. Can you tell me how to get to Central Park? In that moment... Because you made a request of the gas station attendant, you enter into that relationship in that moment with that other person, and the two of you are going to accomplish something that you couldn't accomplish on your own. Simply by stopping and making the request and entering into that relationship, you are talking with someone who has resources that you don't have, knowledge of the city, knowledge to get to where you want to go. And by asking for directions, by making the request, It enables you to accomplish something that you could not have accomplished on your own. Thinking about requests in prayer, coming to God in this way has helped me to be free, to come to God with requests about things that concern me in my life and in my world. Because when we pray, we are coming to God who has every resource available to him has every resource to accomplish any good for us and for our world. And we are coming to him, and we are asking him to bring all of his resources and all of his ability to the things that we see going on in our world. Lord, bring your sovereign power into this situation. Lord, bring your divine wisdom into this situation. Lord, bring your strong hand into this situation. We see something that is contrary to God's plan and purpose, and we come to him and we ask him to bring all of his divine resources and power and ability to that task, and we ask him to ask. And if we're listening, if we're listening, he may say yes, and here's what I want you to do as well. In his mercy, he will invite you at times to be a part of bringing about his work in the world. Uh, This past week, uh, we know our our friend, uh, many of you know our friend uh, Richie Berrianne. Was it on on Monday, Cheryl? Was uh, Tuesday. 
um, was on his moped and hit a curb and flipped over and broke ribs and punctured his lungs and had, he's had a really difficult week and he's been in the hospital. And this week on Facebook, he wrote this. Healing begins when people from Broadway come and visit you. Okay, so we've been praying for Richie. And then God led some people to go and help him in his healing and to be a part of that healing, certainly um, spiritually, but we believe also as we pray physically as well. Prayer is about our relationship of cooperation with God. And Jesus illustrated this power of a request by telling us a story about a person who went and asked a friend for bread. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 8. After teaching his disciples the Lord's Prayer, he then gives this illustration or this parable. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, let me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So in this story, a man has a surprise visitor. And he knows that in his culture, he must extend hospitality to that visitor. To not extend hospitality to somebody was a great offense. And this man realized that he's not prepared to do what he needs to do to extend his visitor hospitality. And so this man thinks, I don't have any extra food. I need to go to my friend who I believe may have some bread and he may have resources to help me. And so he goes to his friend's house and he asks for bread. And at the end of the story, Jesus says because he was bold enough to ask, because he was bold enough to make the request to ask for what he needed, he received what he needed. In this story, Jesus illustrates the power of a request. And if you think about this man's situation, you can imagine that there were many times along the way where he could have decided, I'm not going to go ask this for my friend for bread. This is too big. It's, it's midnight. I'm going to disturb his family. And if any point along the way he had decided, I'm not going to make the request, then he would not have received what he needed. But the point of this story is that this man, despite having many good excuses for not asking, he went and he made the request anyways. Because of his boldness, Jesus says, he made the request and got what he needed. Jesus is illustrating here the simple power of a request by telling us to consider our own relationships with human beings. When we request something from someone else, that person becomes aware of our need, and it gives them an opportunity to respond. And the truth is, if you think about your life, for the most part, when you ask something from somebody that you know, and it's a true, sincere request, most often we get what we need, don't we? With a request comes the opportunity to get what we need or what we desire. But it's important to remember that a request is not a demand. A request is not a demand. A request leaves the other person in their freedom to say yes or to say no. And this is true when we make a request of a person, and it's also true when we make a request of God. 
There's certainly a theology out there, maybe some of you have encountered it, that says that if we ask for something, that the problem must be that we lack faith. We aren't praying in faith, and so if we can somehow summon up enough faith, then God will give us what we want. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes we do not pray with faith. We do not believe that God can answer, and so our prayers are not answered. But we also need to remember when we're praying who it is that we are addressing We are addressing a loving Heavenly Father who knows what we need better than we do. The truth is, we don't know enough about the world. We do not know enough about the future. We do not know enough about ourselves. Our desires are not perfect enough for God to always give us what we ask for. If God gave us everything that we ask for, we would likely destroy ourselves. One day I was sitting on the couch and I was eating a chocolate brownie. And our dog, CJ, sniffed the air. She walked over and she sat down next to me and she looked at me and she put her paw up on my leg. The request had been made. But I know that chocolate isn't very good for dogs. At least I've heard that. And we don't give her much people food anyway. And so I told her, no to her request. God, does, God knows what is best for us, and as we make requests of him, we leave him in his divine freedom to say yes or to say no. Jesus tells us that we are to come and to make requests, all kinds of requests to God, but not demands. We come and we ask. We make requests of God and we leave him in his divine freedom to say no. And we should want it to be this way. In our humanity, we are finite. We are limited in knowledge and love and in power. And because of that, we cannot be given everything that we ask for. It would not be safe for us to be given everything that we ask for. And so we trust that we come to a God who is infinite, who is unlimited in knowledge, unlimited in love, unlimited in power, and we make requests of him. We ask him about those things that concern us, and we persistently come to ask him, like that persistent widow that came to the judge over and over again. We ask and we ask and we ask until the matter is settled, and then we trust that God has done what is best for us and for his kingdom. It's important to remember that the goal of prayer is not getting what we want. The goal of prayer is entering into a real relationship with God. The goal of prayer is to get together with him and to talk with him about the things that you are doing together. We enter into a relationship with God because we realize that there are things that are needed to be done that we simply cannot do on our own power and that God has all of the resources available to him to do what needs to be done. And so sometimes in our relationship with God, we do not see God's work accomplished very simply because we have failed to ask. We have failed to ask. Think again about the man going to ask for bread. He could have decided, made some excuse for why not to ask for the bread that he needed. But because he was bold and asked, he received what he needed. He entered into a relationship with his friend. His friend had resources that he didn't have, and he received what he needed. And so we enter into a real relationship with God in prayer. 
making requests of him for the things that concern us, for the things that are on our hearts, because we realize that we cannot accomplish everything on our own and that it is God who holds the power and the resources uh, that, have, uh, that he has to get done what needs to get done. All of us are blind kids of our Heavenly Father. And we're called, we're invited to talk to him about what we are doing together. In the end, Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 11 that all of this teaching about prayer is about our Father's desire to be in relationship with us. Those who ask, who come to him in a spirit of childlike dependence, those who ask will receive his personal presence, his Holy Spirit. Our Father's desire is to be in relationship with you. From the very beginning, God made us in his image so that we could know him, so that we could love him and be known by him and be loved by him. In the Garden of Eden, we know that Adam and Eve enjoyed this good relationship with God, but because of their sin, because of our sin, our relationship with God is broken. But God, in his mercy, has given us the gift of prayer. And when we practice it, we experience him more and more, and we are invited more and more into this relationship that God designed and desires for us from the very beginning, and that we will experience for all eternity with him. As we pray, we begin to taste a foretaste of what we are going to experience for all eternity as we receive his Holy Spirit through prayer. So this morning... I don't know how God has spoken to you. Maybe there are areas of your life, things that you have prayed for over and over and over again. I certainly invite you to come forward this morning and to pray uh, up here if you like. If you want to pray on your own, come to this side. If you want to pray with somebody about these things, come over here. But this morning, if you do not know what it's like to have this kind of relationship of prayer with God, I invite you to come and to ask How is it that I can have this kind of relationship with the creator of the universe? This invitation is open to you today. Amen? Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we we thank you. We thank you that you have given us the gift of being able to come to you in prayer. Lord, we confess to you that we have not been faithful in this, that we we failed to ask. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us a boldness in prayer. Lord, that we would be willing to come to you and to ask so that we can see your will be done and your kingdom come here on earth in our lives and in our world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.